This is Blue Moon. It's the original fan-made Manchester City podcast. Coming up, we've got news and views from City's Week. It's your club and this is your show. It was a tricky game and difficult performance against Chelsea, so what better way to follow that up than a nice, comfortable stroll around the Etihad in a simple Tuesday night win over Brentford? Yeah, there was no way I could keep that up, but it was nice to live in that parallel universe for a little bit. Whatever problems City have had this week, in many ways it was good to get out of the two games with four points. It could, perhaps should, have been worse. And on today's Blue Moon podcast, we're going to try and work out why. We'll hear from TIFO Football's John McKenzie about City's shape, structure and out-of-possession play, and how that's contributing to a slight downturn in performances this season. Plus, our EDS expert Sean Blinkhorn is back on the show to look at the situation and the immediate future for the younger players at the club. On top of that, we'll look ahead to the games with Bournemouth and Luton. To do that, joining me, David Mooney, is the Daily Mail's Jack Gorn. Hello, David. You are right. Not too bad, thanks. And back so soon. Back so soon, I know. And we've also got City fan Macca. Hi, David. You all right, mate? Yeah, not bad, thanks. And uh, not back so soon. Been a while. <laughs> yeah, it has been a while. Well, glad to be back. Glad to be back. Glad to be invited. Good. I, uh, I saw you tweet recently, Macca, that you've never been more wrong about a player than Rodri. Um, and I'm on record as uh, having said after I can still tell you now, it was the Leeds game behind closed doors when they drew one all at Ellen Road. Uh, I'd said on one of the podcasts... I wouldn't be that upset if he never played for City again. So that's how that's how wrong I was on that. So like ruling out uh, ruling out Rodri. Uh, who's the player that you've never been more wrong about on either a good or bad way? Um, you know what? It's probably Gota. I just it, it, there's a kind of a there's a period in, in Gota's career at City which seems to be glossed over and forgotten about. Where really he was a bit of a boo boy, um, and I just didn't see anything in him. Um, I know he wasn't the greatest footballer in the world anyway, but I just never, ever envisaged that he'd become a City legend. Yeah. <laughs> and it was only that. It was only really... I mean, mine might be playing tricks on me, but I think it was against Nottingham Forest uh, at home, at Main Road, against... Uh, yeah, against Forest. Jo- the Joe Royal season, we went up to the Premier League. And there was rumblings then, because he wasn't, wasn't having a great game. Then he got... He, he lobbed one into the, the net with his shin. And then from then on, it, it was just... Scoring goals for fun with yeah. Kennedy and uh, Kennedy supplying him, and then from then on, he was just uh, yeah, like I say, legend. I'm sorry, I'm not. I'm just going back to Rodri though. I'm just not having anyone saw this coming. <laughs> and if they are, they're lying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jack, will, will you please tell me that uh, you're going to demolish what me and Macca think here and say, you know, I always saw it. I always saw it with him. Yeah, um, I think I've told this story before, but the first pre-season that he had was 2019 and we were in Japan and the words oil and tanker were muttered <laughs> by <laughs> some in the press box. Um, yeah, so, I mean, we were badly wrong, but then we're always wrong, aren't we? So, um, yeah, not a surprise. He's yeah. like, the, the, it's, got, it's, it's got to the point now where I was like, at the game on Tuesday, got to about 80, 85 minutes. I was going to... Going to the lads next week is like, oh, who would you give man of the match to? Because like quite a lot of the time you don't get to watch the match properly if you're doing a match report. So it's like I wasn't watching it in depth, um, or as in depth as I'd like. And everyone was like, oh, I don't know, whatever. And I just thought, well, if in doubt, it's Rodri in it. <laughs> yeah. You give it to you should give it to him. And he was probably right, actually, to be honest. He was probably probably was the best player on the pitch on Tuesday. He's just um yeah, people like to call him a metronome, don't they? 
Yeah. Do you remember the uh, the nicknames, Maka? Because uh, we had uh, we had obviously there's there was uh, as Jack said, um, kind of referencing the oil tanker, but there was um, there was Plodry was a was a common one. Um, yeah. But I think my favourite was HMS Rodri. <laughs> well, what I can't what he just amazes me. He kind of in recent interviews, didn't he? Say he's putting about he's put he's put weight on since he since he joined but he looked overweight when he joined <laughs> but it's just now he's just he's just in math i can't believe someone he's such a, a a big bloke as well how mobile it is he's just he's just got everything i just think he's amazing absolutely yeah. amazing yeah right well this episode of the blue moon podcast is sponsored by green king sport where football is more than a game green king sport venues are showing every single televised city fixture over the 23 24 season that means if you're not making the trip to the south coast for this weekend's game with bournemouth or if you couldn't get a ticket to kenilworth road you can catch both in a green king sport pub and with more than 900 sports pubs across the uk it doesn't matter where you're based you can see every single minute of the action If you download the Green King Sports app, you won't just get 10% off all drinks anytime there's a match on the TV. But this month, there's also thousands of points of free Guinness to be won and the chance to win one of six holidays. Um, We've just spent a couple of minutes kind of um, talking talking up Rodri, Jack. Um, But ultimately, when you look at the performances overall against uh, against Chelsea and Brentford, uh, they've needed him to be be good in those two games because overall, performances, not great, were they? Although, like, Tuesday, um, the Brentford game, the... um... They got hit on the counter quite easily a couple of times, didn't they? Um, there was the Onyeka chance and there was one before that, that fall to uh, Wieser, I think, um, where they went straight through straight through the middle of the pitch, really. Um, and obviously the Chelsea goal came from a from a similar um, scenario. It just does go to show that he, he as good as he, he can't do anything, he can't do everything on his own. Yeah. Um, so you're only, you know... You're only as good as a sum of your parts, really, and and he's been allowed to flourish over the last couple of years because everyone else has. It's been a well-oiled machine, um, and they all know the roles and they all excel in their roles, which has allowed him to do to do his thing. Um, I thought on Tuesday he did he did carry them he carried them forward in possession. I thought um, more than he did on Saturday, uh, and just sort of impressed himself on the game a little bit more. Uh, but it's like you. You know, you look at the um, the corner in the last minute against Brentford with the uh, Fleckens come up. That getting himself in the way of that to stop him having a having a shot at goal could, you know, it was quite a quite a crucial intervention, wasn't it? So it's, mm. it does. There's a lot of there are a lot of things he does in a game that you, you can pass over quite easily because it's Rodri um, and it's sort of expected. But yeah, he's, he is. I think he's getting. I think he's genuinely getting better. I think he's actually a better player than he was this time last year. Yeah, Maka, the the bloke behind me, uh, or one of the blokes behind me, at one point said, um, uh, "I've always wanted to be in the stadium when a goalkeeper scores." As Flecken was running up, and when I tell you that he was lucky, <laughs> when he was he was lucky to get out of there alive, that was that. that honestly, I my my head came clean off when he said that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I said to me, I said I actually turned and said to me, Dad, you know what's going to happen here, don't you? <laughs> and it, it just felt like that. But yeah, it was just Tuesday, like Saturday. It was just you just felt we were just one dodgy pass away from just getting hit on the break and just being a one-on-one with 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 Edison. It just I don't know. We just don't feel it, it's just not as much control as as we as we we have in in the past it's just and sometimes i can't put me i, I just can't put my finger on it i know obviously kind of the tactics analysts and the experts will be able to kind of try and explain it but just to me it just feels like 
it just feels like more nervy. Mm-hmm. Um, but then again, we have been we have been spoiled, and we've been accused of being boring, which I don't think we've been. But we're not, we're still not boring. Again, it's not <laughs> well, boring. This week's not been, it? Yeah. <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah, I, I was I was going to say hot knife through butter, but I can't. I now I've confused myself and can't think if it should be hot knife through butter or. Um, knife through hot butter. Where's the, where, where's the heat in that situation? I can't. I can't. I can never remember. Um, it's not hot butter, is it? Well, yeah. It's not why, would it, why would it be hot butter? I don't know. A knife through melted butter. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It would just be a puddle of butter, that otherwise, yeah. wouldn't it? Yeah. No, you're right. Um, but like overall, Jack, when you look at, at kind of how the how the games have gone, and and you know, as as Chelsea and Brentford were were cutting through City like a knife through hot butter, um, <laughs> it, it's it's like four points probably isn't a bad haul, is it? Uh, no, but it, I mean, sort of what um, Maka was saying, and like they are exciting games to watch because they're a bit basketbally. It could have been, you know, was four points, could have easily been six, could have easily been one. Um, mm. And that's just the way that's the way it is at the moment. Um, so it's you know they just need to keep getting points on the board as Liverpool and Arsenal don't look like they're going to drop any at the moment. Um, but yeah, it's, I think the the idea that there's less control just I think it comes through um, who they're playing in the middle of the park. Really, mm. like Alvarez has played every game, and, he, and the vast majority of have been in a like eight or ten position or whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, you look at the games last season and that was, you know, in those positions it was Gundogan and, and De Bruyne who Gundogan in particular knew exactly the right pace to play the game at. Um, and they don't have, you know, they don't have as many players like that this this year. Um, and that is one of the main, that is one of the main things. And you look at the summer recruitment when they, you know, Kovacic was bought, brought in as as someone who would be able to play or get the tempo quite quickly. Um, he's been a bit in and out. Like I was expecting him to hit the ground running a bit quicker, really. Uh, and then he's, Nunez, he's, not been, he's not been available recently either, has he? That's, no, there is that. Yeah. yeah, there is that. Yeah, which doesn't help. Um, and then you know, Nunez is a he's a runner, isn't he? He's not a ball player. He's a he's a guy that wants to wants to go past people and um, and more, he's more of a sort of box to box. So. You, you look at it and they've not got that many players actually at the moment that play in the middle that put the foot on the ball um, and they all want to sort of stream forward, which is great to watch um, from a neutral perspective. Uh, but it does mean that they, they, they kind of they lose that like strangling of, of a game that, that they've had for so many years. Yeah, there's just liquid butter everywhere, isn't there? When that happens, um, <laughs> that's <yeah>. liquid butter. Maka, <laughs> um, just in in terms of personnel, uh, because the the other kind of uh, big style change, I think it's been very obvious in the last kind of ten days or so. When you take into account the Copenhagen game as well, is um, the, the just the difference between what Doku offers and what Grealish offers, and they're, they're mm. just they're just different things. And it's it, and I wonder if if kind of like over the last over the season as a whole for for Grealish because he's been he's another one that's been in and out of the team, but certainly over the last few weeks for Doku, it feels like neither of them has really offered enough of the thing that they should be offering, if that makes sense. It, no, it, do, it does, mate. It makes perfect sense. My concern with Doku is, is kind of, we, we, we bought him as this, basically, there's something completely different, which we've, we, we, which we've not got, and just a bit of a, a wild card. And it, you, you get the impression just slowly that... Guardiola's getting hold of him 
and it's actually not making things better. It's it's like for the first time, and again, possibly reading far too much into it, but it's probably possibly the first time in his in his career or his life when playing football. He's had to give things thought, and it it it's. It's nullifying what his, his his qualities are. Again, if that makes sense to yeah, to the sort it. of instinct, yeah, 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 it does. And and he's it, it, like I say, he, it gives the impression in, in some recent performances, his head's just a, bit, a little bit scrambled. Yeah, um, I, I saw I saw some people um, praising his past completion last week, <laughs> and it's like if you're doing that, that mm. I mean, that's just all kinds of wrong, isn't it? For that yeah. sort of player, that's, that's not his job. Yeah, basically, and what's Whilst Daft is, I mean, he's one of these lads. He's, he can he can do fullbacks from a standing start on the outside, and he, and he has done that. But he just seems reluctant at times. Um, but again, it's like he's 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 thinking about things probably too much. Um, you'd rather him just be this, as I say, this, this wild card that offers something which we've just not got. Which, to be fair, when he started, that's exactly what he was doing. Mm. Yeah, and you look at uh, you look at his numbers that he's been posting, Jack. I mean, a, a thing was made recently that his uh, his numbers are not too bad for a first season under Guardiola. And mm. um, like I spotted that it was six assists, and I, and then like the penny dropped. Yeah, like four, four, four of them, of them came against yeah, yeah. Bournemouth. Yeah, I think I think um, uh, Simon Bukowski said to me the other day he's only recorded an assist in one Premier League game this season, and obviously it was that, that game. it was that game when he got four. Um, which is, you know, given the amount of balls he puts into the box and dangerous situations he finds himself in is, is a little bit, you know, it's a bit surprising. Um, and they would be expecting more from him. But they're like, the, the the thing that's been interesting about Doku is they, they bought him as a right winger last summer and then he reverted to the left, which has then had a knock-on effect on Grealish. Mm. Um and it's also had a knock-on effect on on what's been going on on, on the other side as well because it's been Foden and Foden and Bernardo again. Where maybe you would want Bernardo in the middle of the pitch for reasons that I was mentioning before about the about the control. Like he's he's the sort of closest thing they've got to Gundogan. Um, so I, I I don't really know how that's happened so so quickly with Doku that he he switched wings like he, at previous clubs, both Anderlecht and Wren. Wanted wanted him to be a right winger, and then quickly he shifted to the left because that's where he likes playing. But I'm pretty surprised that he's been able to manufacture that at a club with so many good players and a manager who doesn't always take other people's considerations on. <laughs> I wondered where that <laughs> sentence was going. Uh, very very well diplomatically navigated there, Jack. Um, the the, uh, the, the knock-on effect as well, Macca, is uh, Jack mentioned Alvarez before and, and kind of the role he's been playing in, in that. Uh, I, I was going to say number eight position, but you've been tweeting recently oh. about, about this sort of thing and I, I didn't want to feel your wrath, but like in, <laughs> in that position there. Um, yeah. And it's it's kind of forcing Foden out wide, and and kind of there's been calls for Foden to get into the middle, and Alvarez can't really play on the right hand side, and there's nobody else to kind of really do that job at the moment. And I I just wondered, kind of like from you always talk about kind of like chatting with your dad about what's going on. What what when you when you talk with your dad, what do you and him make of Alvarez in that position? That's funny you should say that. He doesn't rate him, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he's changed his mind slightly. And so that's harsh, but he, he didn't rate him at, at first because he doesn't think he's. He doesn't think he's quick enough to be a striker, basically. Um, 
but he's kind of he's slowly winning him over. But in terms of this season, he does feel a little bit like Pep wants to just feels he has to play him because he kind of owes him a bit of a favour. But he, 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 I just don't really like him in that position at all. Mm. I, I just don't. He just doesn't feel right. But again, he set up. He did set up Ireland on Tuesday. So I mean, he's, he's obviously not a bad player. Um, but I just don't see him in that position when everybody's when everybody's fit, or even like I say now, I just don't. I'd, I'd rather a striker or not at all, basically. I know that yeah. might be very harsh. What I missed this completely. What's the what's the number eight thing? Oh, Macca's Macca was saying, uh, <laughs> don't, stop using numbers to describe positions. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, what's he called? Um, the ex Leeds manager. Jesse, Jesse, Marsh. Jesse Marsh. Jesse Marsh. He was, on, yeah. he was on Monday Night Football, and the other day, and he was talking about two number sixes. And I'm like, I can't get me around one number six. What's two number six? <laughs> <laughs> I know a nine and I know a ten. <laughs> the rest of it, I'm, I'm just unsure about. <laughs> yeah. So that's so that's what that is. It's, uh, it's six. Right. I was. I've always been confused by six because six is four. What do you mean six is four? Six should be four, shouldn't it? Like sitting midfielder was always four. Isn't isn't four four centre half? Isn't it? No, five and six were centre halves. I don't know four would be a centre midfielder because I think I think of two and three as fullbacks, and then uh, four and five as centre halves. Six as you as you sit in midfielder. No, no. If we're talking about sort of squad numbers, not squad numbers, but when they played uh, one to eleven, one to eleven, your centre halves would be five and six, wouldn't they? Would they? Yeah, and you'd like tough tackling midfielder would be a four. And then the the show pony next to him will be an eight. I was at I was at centre half as a four. Really? Yeah. I think Mick I think Mick McCarthy was a four. I know going back. I think Kevin Ratcliffe was a four. Peter Reid was a six. I don't know why, but I always think of the 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 prime Everton team when I'm thinking of numbers and who what position they were in. <laughs> Left winger eleven. Right winger seven. Yeah. Yeah. Nine and ten. He centre forwards. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Jack. That's how I see it as well. So, uh... <laughs> and number one for the goalie that annoys yeah. me as well. Is this because I was I was watching doldrum football? So maybe the numbers were different. <laughs> uh, maybe. Anyway, back, kicking and screaming back to the point, Jack. Uh, what I was what I was what I was going to say is, in terms of kind of those personnel in those positions, I wondered if this week just kind of showcases in a in in kind of two games what City's big problem is this season. They've not been as clinical as as they have uh, last season. They've been less able to control games and therefore more susceptible to counterattacks. And that's they've just had two teams that have that have played that perfectly. Uh, yes, yeah, yeah, you, yeah. Um, Chelsea at the moment that's the best way for Chelsea to play because um, they have players that are quality, but they don't want to dominate a game because they don't feel that they could do it. So yeah, they were, and Brentford. See, Brentford was exactly the same as it was um, in the game before the World Cup last season. They played um, a very similar way and obviously won that day. So, um, yeah, them plus Crystal Palace um, would probably be the, the harder ones to to play at home, just with the way the um, the way they set up. What I would say about the um, just the way they're playing and the, and the lack of control, like I've not looked at the numbers and this just like an eye test really, but it feels like they're creating more chances for Haaland this season than last. Yeah. It does feel like he's not been as clinical though as well. I'm, I I should have yeah. the numbers as well. I don't know. I don't know in terms of whether he's uh, outscoring or underperforming his XG. He's under, but... no, he's under, he's underperforming by about, I think this is in all comps, but he's underperforming by about four. 
Yeah, last um, season he was definitely over it, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. But I think, but it does feel like they are. Maybe they, uh, maybe this is a Doku thing, or maybe the maybe the Doku assist problem is is a Harlem problem. Yeah, rather than rather than him. But do, it does feel like he's. I mean, there was that clip on Twitter last week. I don't know whether you saw it with someone who'd done every single like sort of. They said big chance. Some of them were only slightly better than half chances. And they clipped up every single one for the season. And there were, I should have counted them really, but there were loads. I mean, and there's been two or three games this season. Obviously the uh, obviously the Chelsea game at the weekend and the West Ham away, where like there were four, five, six chances went begging. Um, but it does feel like they fa- they found a way to to supply him more, but that is also to the detriment of what is going on behind him. Yeah, I was gonna, uh, I was gonna move into, I was gonna stick with the kind of the setup, but we'll we'll come back to that because, uh, Michael, I'm interested in uh, kind of how you're feeling about Haaland at the moment because running through on goal, like the sense last season when he was running through one on one, you're like, well, this is a goal, and then on Tuesday night, I remember distinctly feeling as as um, the Brentford fella slipped and Haaland got onto it, I was just thinking he better score this. <laughs> yeah, there is, there is a bit of an element of that, but obviously we were spoiled with him with last year, and to be fair to him. He's not the easiest of seasons, has he? And he and it's and he's I know he is a well, he's nearly a robot, but he is still human, I think. So and he's just he's just not got going. Um, the one one thing, um, but he still he'll still potentially get us out of, of problems like he did on, on Tuesday. Um, the one thing I've just thought of actually, which I've, I've completely forgotten about, on our corners uh, when we're attacking, it, I don't know what what the idea is because he. I don't know if it was all game, but it was certainly when he was at the South Stand end in the first half. He was he was on the goalie. And you're thinking, and he was like, surely he should be at the edge of the box and the ball should be going kind of penalty spot and him just kind of bearing down on it. But I don't know. I don't know about corners anymore. I don't know about set pieces. Anything, but <laughs> he that, just, that just makes sense to me anyway, if that's what I'm saying. Yeah, he doesn't get, um, and I, I think it's because of his size and his build and how strong he is. He, he just doesn't get fouls. And so what I find really odd is that they spend so much time wrestling him wrestling in the box um, because I, all I can see from that is you're just going to get penalised for that. I yeah, can't. Yeah. I, I don't yeah. see how, how Haaland against any defender where they both end up on the floor, it's not going to be given as a, as a Haaland foul on the defender. There's 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 no way that gets given the other way. No, no, no. I agree. I agree. But you do get the feel. You do get the feeling, though, and it is just a feeling. There is going to be a game in it where it all clicks, and he just scores. He does score a heart full again. Well, this is the thing, though. I mean, he's still Premier League top scorer, isn't he? And I, like, even if he has a disastrous end to the season, he's still going to break twenty goals for the in the league. Mm. Which, you know, that's the benchmark of a excellent season for anyone else yeah, it's yeah. just it's yeah. just him isn't it it's like the mm. the expectations are so high and he's held to such a high standard that we're talking about like oh he's not really got going and rightly because he hasn't got it's weird isn't it because he hasn't got going but he still has scored loads of goals yeah both yeah. things which are true what, which is why I can understand people like moaning that people are criticising him I can I can I can understand that but yeah. equally you know, you know how good he can be, and he's not been that good, has he? So, yeah, because the other side of this, Jack, is you look at again the the performances at home in the last three games. Everton at home wasn't a great performance. Uh, Chelsea at home wasn't a great performance. Brentford at home wasn't a great performance. The the two games that they've won, he's won it for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Four goals, and he's got three of them. Um, and the Everton, I mean, the Everton, 
it was just brutish, wasn't it? The Everton one. I mean, that, <laughs> that is that's one off. of my that's one of my that, that one from the corner when he like sort of peeled away from from the action where he just hammered it in. I was like, oh, that's that might be my favourite goal of the season so far. Yeah, it's just so- like it's a pure sort of yeah. I love it when a striker just hits it really hard, and like it's one of those things. Like it could take the goalkeeper in the net with them. He's just well. I, well I said, I said, like if Pickford had actually got a proper hand on it, he'd have lost a finger, wouldn't he? Like, yeah. he'd <laughs> lost an arm. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> but, I, but I don't understand why. I don't understand why Harlan doesn't do that more. Just put his foot through it. Like there was a moment on Tuesday where I think he, I think Reggion was coming up the left wing, and he like barged him out of the way, which was. Definitely, definitely a foul. I don't know how that wasn't even <laughs> a foul. Like rugby tackled, rugby tackled out of um, out of touch, and then he was like sauntered towards the box. I was like, "Oh, go on, you know, put your foot through it because this could go anywhere." And he sort of tried this just little like I don't know what it was. He didn't try and curl it. He just sort of chipped it back to the keeper, and I was like, "Ah, oh, just you know, you're like eight foot five and like <laughs> massive. Just just toe bung it. Just do like just do something." Yeah, because like, you want to see him scoring like outrageous goals like that, and he hasn't. There's been a few for City, but he's there was obviously significantly more for Dortmund that he that he scored where he was just like half volleys and he was like pinging him into the top corner from you know twenty twenty five yards quite regularly, and we've not seen quite as much of that. But that again, that might be down to in a similar way to what we said about Doku, people getting in his ear and like this is the way we play and whatever, and he wants to sort of find a, a you know the last pass or things like that. Yeah, I do find it interesting with Haaland that uh, when you think back to Aguero and, and when Guardiola arrived, Mac, uh, uh, there, there was the talk that Aguero could leave because like, just the, the what Guardiola was demanding of him um, and the fact that, you know, Jesus came in and, and Guardiola was like, no, no, you're doing it my way or you're not doing it at all. And then with Haaland, he's just gone, no, you're good. So we're just going yeah, to, we're, we're just going to let you do what you do. Yeah. 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 Oh, there is an element of that though, like Jack just touched upon where he, he kind of possibly kind of, tweaked his game a little bit or <clears throat> pardon me something in his head but it's like sometimes with, with players like that it's, it's possibly a little bit too easy to do what they do and just smash the ball into the net like they do every day in training and they just want to do something a little bit different but no I'm a jack just yeah. twat it basically <laughs> yeah, stop, stop trying to mix it up early. Yeah, yeah. I, thought, I thought it was really really bad that he'd, he'd asked he'd asked Aguero to do all that stuff when he joined and all that stuff being can you run around a bit <laughs> I'll let you take that up with him next time you see him. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Think of some dynamic teammates who got it done. City have had some great partnerships down the years, whether it's De Bruyne and Haaland, Dunn and Distan, or Rosler and Walsh. But what about the perfect teammates when it comes to growing your business? That's you and Shopify. <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're auctioning autographed apparel or selling sleek skis, Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. 
Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US, and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brook Linen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way, because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial at shopify.com slash blue moon. That's all in lowercase. Go to shopify.com forward slash blue moon to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. That's shopify.com slash blue moon. You can listen to the show ad free by joining our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash blue moon podcast. Let's go back to the structure and shape because history tells us that City go on a run in the second half of the season. There is always the niggling doubt, though, that this could be the season that it doesn't happen, even if that doubt was there in all the previous seasons as well. To get a handle on some of the problems that City have had this year with the structure of the team, I've been speaking to TIFO's John McKenzie about the setup when they don't have the ball. It's easy whenever things aren't quite right to, to sort of tear up the the textbook and say everything's everything's awful everything's wrong it's clear that there's there's things that aren't as good this season as they as they were last season and I think a lot of people fall into the mindset of well this is what City do they they start the season off fairly slowly and they hit a point around about now and then they start rolling they, something clicks and they win the rest of the games in the season and win the league but this season does feel a little bit different I think there's a there's a few reasons why I think that is the case um, ma- the majority of them I think probably out of possession related, which I think we're going to talk about in a little bit more detail. But um, yeah, the, a, a lot of it I think comes down to personnel, like lots of changes, players out, players in who haven't necessarily gelled. Uh, and the result is is that City look like they have slightly less control in games in possession. And that means that they are going to be facing slightly more counterattacks. When they fa- face those counterattacks, they look slightly more vulnerable. Uh, and I think the, the sort of perfect storm of, those, of, the, of that sort of three-step cycle is the reason why they've looked a, a little bit um, shonky this season. Yeah, and you look at, at the, the results that uh, City have dropped this season. They generally seem to be against the top sides. You know, they, you saw the problems earlier in the season that Aston Villa caused them, for instance. When Aston Villa were in a very good moment at the time, City were not in a great moment. And kind of again, you mentioned perfect storms there. Um, but like Chelsea at the weekend, you know, Liverpool, uh, Spurs, all transition teams and all teams that are happy to play on the transition all have caused City problems this season. Is it, is it again, that perfect storm thing that, that means that when they come up against the top sides, they're just struggling to control the game at the moment? Yeah, I think so. And, and again, as we're saying, it's it's not just like out of possession that the problems emerge. It's the fact that in possession, there, there are issues. So, for example, uh, at the weekend against Chelsea, um, and, and I made a video about this for The Athletic, it, it was it was quite clear that on the left hand side there was personnel problems for for City, which meant that um, I mean there was a number of things that were happening. Nathan Aki was jumping really high in the press because Jeremy Doku was pressing up onto the centre back on that side, which is a very aggressive press, um, and and means that Aki has to help out. But they had Julian Alvarez on that side as well, and it just meant that Chelsea were able to manipulate um, the big distances between the the three of them quite nicely and then hit the space in behind Ake. Um, but also in possession, we're seeing similar things with with Julian Alvarez in that left eight position. Julian Alvarez is someone who wants to attack the box more. Um, he's not like a he's not a, a control tempo player. Um, and so 
it, in those moments where City are forcing the, the, the Chelsea block really, really deep, um, Julian Alvarez is not playing really as a support player to um, Doku on, on the left-hand side, who City were trying to get in quite a lot because of his 1v1 abilities against the low block. And that meant that Ake was having to push up and do a lot of the support work on that side as well, which, which meant that City had a couple of centre-backs back and then Rodri in front of them. And teams like Chelsea are going to eat eat up those sorts of situations in in transition as well. So, yeah, it, it just feels as though in certain areas of the pitch, the um, Pep just doesn't quite have the, the personnel sorted out right so that the, the systems that he usually plays uh, just aren't working. Yeah, and we we talk about City's press as well when uh, when out of possession. They they often press in a four four two shape. Um, just explain to me what what that means. What what pressing in a particular shape means? Yeah, so City play as you say in a four four two shape out of possession. Um, they tend to play in, in a roughly. I mean, it depends, but roughly they're going to be playing with um, a four three three or maybe pushing one of the back line up into the middle to make a usually a three two two three shape. Um, out of possession, what that means is one of the eights is going to push up alongside Erling Haaland, the striker, uh, to form that that four four two shape. Um, it's quite a flexible shape. They can do lots of different things with it. So I've already mentioned that um, against Chelsea at the weekend, they were press, pressing quite aggressively with the the left hand winger, so Doku jumping up onto the centre backs, um, and that 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 sort of approach allows you to be able to manipulate the opposition's build up. Um, so if you want to force the ball one way rather than the other because you see the opposition having a player who you think is weaker in build-up so if they're weaker on one side rather than the other then you'll set your press up in order to be able to force it one way or the other and obviously jumping up with your wingers in this instance is is more likely to force the ball into the middle to where you can then spring pressing traps and, and win them as well so there could be a reason why you're doing that against Chelsea you feel as though their central build-up isn't very good so you want to try and force the ball into the middle to to win it there as well um but you also have the option of jumping up with your forwards as well. Usually that will be what will happen. So that the two in the 4-4-2 will be orientated around the opposition's pivot player and they can jump up onto the centre-back in certain situations as well. Um, in terms of what it what this particular shape means, I mean, it's just it's the shape that a lot of elite teams use because it gives you a lot of access. It gives you a lot of flexibility. Uh, and I think what Guardiola likes about it is that it gives you a sort of one-size-fits-all um, structure which you can go into different games and say okay do we want to force them to the left well we can use this structure do we want to have them come through the middle but we can use this structure do we want to do, we want to do various things in the midfield area well we can use this structure and the, the 442 shape actually moves quite nicely into a 442 diamond shape as well which a lot of teams are using because they want to go man to man and oppositions have a single pivot player so one of your eights jumps onto the pivot player when the two are jumping onto the center backs and again the, sh- the shape works out quite nicely there as well it gives you a lot of central coverage as well so it's just a really really um i think really flexible and and usable shape and it serves city really well i mean last season city were, were one of the best pressing teams in the world and it just seems interesting this season that things have dropped off a little bit and I think as we'll go on to talk about some of some of that is is to do with personnel yeah I was going to ask about that because ultimately you know we we talk a lot about the players City have have uh, let go last summer and the players that they that they brought in instead um and there's there wasn't a massive overhaul and yeah it, it can't surely just be like losing Ilkay Gundogan and Riyad Mahrez for instance because like Mahrez for instance didn't play that much at the end of at the end of last season the city were were imperious so is is it is it down to personnel when it comes to pressing that that it, it's just maybe the wrong skill set for different players in different pressing positions right now i think a lot of it does come down to the personnel um 
it's easy to fall back on the oh, it, it must be Gundogan, right? Because Gundogan was in these positions, and, <laughs> and he was amazing. Was yeah, yeah, right, sure. And and obviously Gundogan is a is a great player. I mean, but I mean, I see his upside as being largely in possession, out of possession. I don't see him as being necessarily the greatest of of players. And I think there's uh, there's it's probably the the in possession side of his game that that City missed the most, right? Just having a uh, as we've already talked about, sort of a tempo player who can control the game, who's always going to offer support, um, and then has the ability to to thread creative passes around that left half space. Um, but yeah, the combination of, of different things, uh, I think that that have been missing this season. We could talk about, I mean, Doku as the as the left winger compared to Grealish, which has happened a lot. And Grealish was exceptional last season out of possession. And a lot of people just don't really talk about that too much. Um, but then also, yeah, like losing losing Gundogan, but having no sort of real profile to replace him in the same way, I think, has, has been difficult as well. Um, and, you know, the, the endless debates about Phil Foden, um, I think, just fall down on this, on this issue. Is Does Guardiola want to have Phil Foden in the left eight space, out of possession, no. That's what. That's why he tries to play. He almost tries to play anyone else there. And when he does play him there, he does make sure that he's got got more cover as well. I also think that um, Guardiola playing as a you know left left sided centre back or or, or a foot, or a left back. Um, I don't think he defends those moments particularly well because he is a centre back, so the angles all change. And there's he makes a lot of sort of basic mistakes defending um, in a left back slot. Um, which I think have led to a, a few chances as well. But also I think that it feels this time round like the, the press is more aggressive. And I, I, I don't know whether or not it's because City is simply not pressing as sharply this season or because of the personnel. And so um, Guardiola is, is happy for him to do this. But Rodri seems to jump quite aggressively quite a lot. Um, and again, what, what, what can happen is that you, you, you have that sort of six-player pressing unit jumping up and it gets bypassed by the opposition and then and then they can you know they're, they're then running at a back line which is usually quite flat maybe usually quite narrow as we saw uh, against Chelsea at the weekend as well so yeah the, the, there is something not quite right with the with the out possession play it is definitely personnel related um, but I also it, it does also feel as though there, there have been tweaks made in order to try and overcome this which have just exacerbated it as well like I say with with Rodri jumping up quite a lot uh, or or there being situations where Rodri will be isolated in space and those are the areas where he's going to be at his weakest uh, in an out of possession sense as well yeah and uh, I mean you mentioned before that you, you you wrote and talked about Nathan Ake and the spacing behind there um there's there, there's a that it was the winter time the the autumn winter time uh, before christmas where city went on that run of uh, draws and kind of really difficult performances against the, uh, the the sort of sides that you would expect to exploit these sorts of issues um and you look ahead to the fixture list and you know coming in towards the run in now city have a run that includes liverpool united tottenham there's that, like it's it's that sort of um, reflection of that early fixture list again um do you, do you see the same sorts of issues likely to come up over the next few weeks, or do you see kind of a Guardiola development over over the last few months and, and weeks just to be able to sort out what was happening before Christmas? Yeah, I mean March Madness, right for for City is <laughs> an insane schedule across March. Um, and yeah, if if they can't sort out a lot of the issues that they have, particularly the out of possession side of the game, I think they're going to struggle. Um, the the question is, how do you? fix this and this is why I've, I've gone on record saying that this season feels different to previous seasons where you know the fix has always just been oh we, we've got these we're not quite as dangerous in possession as we have been for the 
previous seasons. Here's some here's some magical tactical tweak. Let's push John Stones into the midfield. Um, and oh, oh, look, now suddenly we're controlling the game. This time around, there's a few issues. One of them is personnel, as we've talked about. So you've signed a lot of players who simply just haven't really fitted in to the level that you would want them to. Um, obviously, Nunes and, and, and Kovacic in the middle haven't haven't been the most roaring success story. Uh, but also, we've mentioned Guardiol too. Um, Guardiol has had flashes of, of good good performances. Uh, but I also think that, you, you know, the he's just not quite as comfortable as, as you might like. Uh, and then we talked a little bit about Doku as well, who like, fantastic 1v1 dribbler could, could potentially have more, you know, production uh, upside. Um, but also, yeah, in terms of the out of possession is a down step on, on, on Grealish as well. So part of me kind of thinks like, okay, you can, you can make solutions when the solutions aren't okay. The, the, the problems with the players here, um, let, the, the issue here is structural. Let's just find a structure that works. I don't think that's necessarily what's going on. And the other thing, uh, I suppose, going forward is that last season the issues weren't out of possession. City were solid out of possession. It was just the in possession thing that needed sorted out, sorting out. And this season it is out of possession. I think you know you're generating chances. You put up a chunk of xG yesterday against against. Um, Brentford um but but still sort of felt as though you were crawling over the line a little bit um and I, I think that's a, a much more serious problem because how do you solving a out of possession issues isn't going to be as simple as saying oh let's just use a different structure or you know let's just slot in this player here and, and everything will be okay so yeah I, th- it, I think that these these problems will get exploited um, a little bit more. And um, I, I mentioned as well in, in a few threads recently that maybe there's place, like longer-term play style issues here. And I think, you know, it's always tempting to do this. I mentioned at the beginning, it was tempting when there's a scenario where um, a team has been playing well and then suddenly it doesn't seem to be working anymore to say, well, it must be play style related. And I do think that a lot of this is personnel related. But I, I do wonder whether or not the, the, you know, the sort of high control approach that, that Man City use, um, which is, and I mentioned, I mentioned this a little bit with, with with respect to Chelsea. We've just seen Chelsea get absolutely turned over with by Liverpool, and that's because Liverpool can really exploit the out of possession weaknesses that the Chelsea have. But because Pep is so concerned to have possessional control, so retain possession of the ball, very reticent in that game to to sort of hit the areas quickly, dynamically, uh, and switching from side to side in those dynamic moments in order to cause Chelsea problems. He would much rather retain possession of the ball and let Chelsea's weakened structure be sorted out by them giving them more time to retreat into their block. And the result was, as we saw, you know, not so many like really great, I mean, yeah, again, if, if, if Holland finishes his chances, then we probably aren't having this today, this chat today. So again, important to always caveat that by it's, it's tempting to feel this way, but it does feel as though that you don't get as much upside maybe as you, as you would. Is there a, is there a difference between trying to break down a low block and generating chances in that way versus being able to hit teams in transition and, and have lots of space to, to work with, which is what Liverpool are doing this season. So I do wonder whether or not as time has gone on, more teams now have just really, really elite transitional players are just going to hit hurt City more. So if their out of possession is a little bit off, um, if their finishing isn't on, then they know they're going to get two or three really big chances, which they, they can finish off. Um, and that seems to be what's happening this season. I think this season City have conceded the first shot on target that they've had um, an incredible amount of time. And 
when you go into games with that sort of game state um, reality where you you are going to be having to chase a game, it does make things much more difficult. So, yeah, I think it's going to be fascinating to see what happens in the second half of the season. If City are going to roll, and we're still not seeing any evidence that that roll is about to happen, but uh, I guess that's what happened last season as well. But if they are going to roll, for me, it's going to have to come with an out-of-possession tweak, which actually makes them much more solid. Email the show through our website, bluemoonpodcast.com. That was TIFO's John McKenzie there. I'm going to finish this part of the show with uh, a a bit of an odd one because um, I'm I'm interested in the atmosphere, Macca, because Tuesday night was, I don't think I've ever felt the Etihad as edgy as that. I think it's just, we're in this situation, aren't we, where we think, well, it's possibly true. It's... Well, one defeat or a few drop points from really, that's it. And it, it's also, as we've, we've discussed, the way we're playing in terms of one misplaced pass and the opposition are uh, are on the attack and it's a one on one. So it it just it isn't that that kind of cigar on the go. Oh, we're all right, here, just we'll pass it around a bit and then we'll wear them down and like we've done for years. It is it, it is it is it is kind of a different kind of atmosphere, but. It is what it is, yeah. Yeah. Jack, I wasn't at the Chelsea game. Uh, I couldn't get there, but the, the, the Brentford oh, game. Oh, right. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, watching on TV, I didn't get the sense that it was anywhere near as kind of edgy and tense as it was. Uh, it was quite edgy. Memphis. It was still but, quite edgy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, Brentford, yeah, Brentford was uh, a couple of notches up from that. But I um, did, a, did a piece the morning after the, the game. I thought it was good. The fact it was a bit, there was a bit of antagonism in the air. And... I actually thought it helped the team. Now, some people disagree with that. Mm, I'm not sure I agree with that. But there was a it. There was like a sort of relationship between Pep and the crowd, and actually, the fact that there were a few grumbles and there was like a roar of frustration when things weren't going well. It, it prompted Guardiola into action and therefore lifted the crowd a bit as well. And actually, as long as you're not booing, noise, whether it's positive or negative, is still noise. And I think the team can react to that. Mm. And actually, I think over the over the years, I mean, I could be completely wrong because obviously I'm not a fan and don't really, maybe don't have a right to have an opinion on this. But the, I think the fans have felt overly cautious to criticise the team because they're so grateful of what's happened and the football that's been played, that actually when they are a bit shit, and they are because they're human and it happens, there's a reluctance to sort of have a go. Yeah, there's um, al- there's almost never been a need to in the past though because it's been it maybe been one bad performance and then they get back to it and you think back to, to kind of previous years where I they've had that, that, that game. I don't know about that, mate. I don't know. I don't know. No, I sort of disagree with that because remember last season? With like Last season we were talking about are they, they going to... Are they are they going to win anything this year? At, at one point, and you know, there's always those sort of spells in November and December where they they, they drop points and they are, you know, people say that they played great, but then fans all say, "Well, no, they've, this has happened or that's happened." And we yeah, not been no, good I, no, I take that, yeah, yeah. And I th- I just think I quite liked the reaction on Tuesday. Um, I thought it was I thought it was authentic. And there's nothing wrong with it, to yeah. be honest. 
There was there was the interesting kind of element of it as well, Maka, where uh, Guardiola in the first half was trying to get fans to calm down, and then the second half he was he was really geeing them up. And then at one point, um, I mean, they didn't know this at the time, but uh, that De Bruyne was injured and, and couldn't have come on. Uh, mm-hmm. But it, there was the point where the fans were singing for for De Bruyne. It's like it's been a long time since I can remember like the fans urging a manager to get someone on from the bench, and it's a specific player. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, no, and I, I, I am with I'm with Jack in in what he said there as well. I think I think, and I'm I've been guilty of this in terms of kind of not criticizing. I mean, obviously constructive criticism, um, but also I think the the more the the better we've become over the years. Probably the less I've thought about the game and the football. I mean, I look at players and I'll know right. Well, I, I don't rate him or I rate him or whatever. But in terms of the way we're playing as a whole. I have probably got a bit kind of too blasé about it and don't I don't think about it too much. I mean, back in the days when we were crap, I just like I could speak for three hours about how we play and what we should do and what we shouldn't do, but <laughs> no, I, think, now, I think I think more of what we shouldn't do, I think. Well yeah, the, yeah, but now well well touching on that, in terms of an antagonistic atmosphere, those lads won't know anything from some of the main road <laughs> atmospheres, dearie me. They'd be in tears. But um but yeah, no, it's um it, and I don't like I don't like it when managers start kind of either just reacting to the not reacting to the crowd or getting the crowd to do something. I don't know. I don't like it when Klopp does it. I don't like it when Guardiola does it. To be honest, it's like just just stick to your. I know it sounds harsh, but just stick to your job, and we'll stick to ours. <laughs> Stay in your lane. Moaning. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, that's the thing as well. He's had like there's been a number of occasions where he's referenced the fans over the years. Um, which I, I know people aren't. It's got people's backs up on it, probably rightly. Um, and he was given. He was actually. He had the opportunity to to say what he wanted about the atmosphere after the game on Tuesday night, which you know he could have quite easily complained that there were moans, um, and he could have he could have launched into this thing like you know we've won x amount of trophies, we're playing best football the club has ever witnessed, and things like that. And he chose not to. He said like. The fan, I felt the fans were behind us when we needed them, and and that's sort of what I meant by like, yeah, the noise is just the noise, and if the players on the pitch hear noise that's not overtly negative, whatever the circumstances, then it is a helpful thing. And you remember, like back end of last year, it was like Etihad was quite a nasty place to play, wasn't it? Like yeah. Valverde came out recently at the Madrid midfielder and said it's it's the most difficult stadium he's ever played in, so. They definitely can use it to to their advantage in in the coming weeks. Yeah, does that include when Bernardo just boots a free kick into touch, Jack? <laughs> well, we, I mean that G that that G the old crowd up as well, didn't it? He didn't need the manager waving his arms around for that. Like, My God, what are you doing, man? But the great the great thing about that was that they'd spent so long meticulously planning that free kick, <laughs> mate. Yeah, Bernardo, can you just um, you chin it into the third row? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know how they always say this is one they've worked on the training ground. This is one they've worked on in the hotel bar. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. Well, uh, Oscar Bob got his first Premier League start against Brentford and has impressed this season. We've had a couple of youngster debuts in the Champions League before Christmas too, and last season also saw the emergence of Rico Lewis. But there's been a bit of a change with the EDS setup lately. To find out more, I've been speaking to our EDS expert Sean Blinkle. There were lots of personnel changes over the summer in the academy setup. This includes players that we've seen before come and go. 
but also at board level. There was uh, Jason Wilcox, who was in his post for about six years as academy director and a coach before that. He left and re- was replaced by Thomas Kruken, I want to say, Kruken. And so far, there's been teething problems, I'd say. Um, I try try not to dwell too much on reserve football when I come on, on the podcast, but the Premier League two side are bottom of the league with one win. As nothing here as I find reserve football, they need to stay in that league. The level of development on offer, if you imagine they fall down to Premier League 2-2, two, two, that suddenly takes a quite a bit of a hit. So I think it's very, very important that they stay in that league. So that's not gone too well at the moment. The other obvious changes, there's this has been a on a a sliding scale rather than a, a complete change this year. But there's a m- much fewer players are loaned out now. It's something like, it used to be like 35 players that would go out on loan. There's only 19, 20 as we go into the second half of this season. So that has took a big hit. Um, there's much fewer CFG players, you know, the ones that would pop up every now and again and you'd never heard of um, in a, a league in Holland. And you'd be saying to yourself, who on earth is that? That doesn't really seem to be the case anymore. There's much less of a CFG burden. Yeah. Are those are those the sorts of players like, I mean, the name that instantly came to mind was Zinchenko as a CFG signing that came in as someone who ended up actually playing in the first team. But um, I'm thinking more like Kaiki. Yeah, players like that. I mean, Zinchenko is a, is a positive example. I did want to throw out there that the only, one of the only few remaining CFG players in that loan list is now... Um, Jan Kuto, who's playing at Girona and by all accounts he's doing really well. So that might be another situation there, especially if we've uh, we've got a right-back slot coming up, which I think we may. So that's one for the future. There's a lot of the, the players that are going on loan now. They're having much better times of it. We've got players like Callum Doyle, who's doing so well. I've already mentioned this season. I've got a, I've still got an eye on, on Callum. Um, I think James McAtee's doing quite well in a... A struggling side. Then you've got your Taylor Howard Bellis, your Jadel Katongo. You know, there's there's players in there. There's also your Cancelo and Phillips in that list as well. If you think about, you know, the long list of lone players, so that's going reasonably reasonably well. It could be it being cut down is a it's a godsend for me because you know we were hoarding hoarding. That's a loaded term. About a hundred players at one point, and we're now down to eighty five players. It's a start. We need to. It needs to be continue. A lot of that might be the the loan rules that came in a couple of seasons ago. A lot of it might just be the you know some of the accusations, some of the things like that loaded term I've just used that have been levelled at the club. Um, but also a switching policy from from loans to selling players with with the buyback insurance on. Yeah, it's and, it's almost like that buyback is almost like a, a slightly uh, more permanent loan, but it just means that you can that you kind of give the player a little bit more security elsewhere, but at the same time if they turn out to be one that you've let get away, you can go back for them. Yeah, and it, I doubt it's going to be used all that much, which is the other thing that we should say about on that point, but it, you know, it's been well documented how much we've earned from from young players um sales over the last few years. So I won't go into that too much, but you you can you can sense the change from a few years ago when we had 100 players on the books, 35 players out on loan, most of which you'd never heard of and never had any any chance of playing. I do while we're talking about players and buying players, I do wonder a little bit if the January buying policy showed a bit of desperation on the uh, 
the reserve league front. You know, they, this idea that they, I think it, they think it's quite important to stay in that league. I mean, I'm talking about the reserve league, I'm boring myself here, but it, <laughs> it's it is important. I think that they stay in that league. So they brought in is it Alexis Tabidi on loan from um, from Troyes. Such an odd. Odd move for, for City. And that Alexis Alcala from, uh, it was Mexican, was it from the MLS? They've both gone in and they're playing reserve Premier League 2 football now. So I think that shows a bit of desperation on that front and it shows that they are quite concerned with that situation as it's developing. Yeah. Where where are they at the moment in the table? They are, they are bottom, aren't they? The bottom. They've won one game. Yeah, it's not going well at all. Um, uh, just as, as I was starting to, to put together stuff the other day for, for coming on the podcast we lost to United and you know it doesn't get more embarrassing than that does it <laughs> yeah um, there is I mean there's been a change as you as you talk about the changes at, at youth level um, there's been a change in that uh, Guardiola when you look at uh, in the last couple of seasons especially um, the amount of trust he put in Lewis last season and I would say I would argue as well the amount of trust he's putting in Bob this season that there seems to be a bit more willingness there I think so. I think I think he's whether it's a trust in the the staff in the academy or just a, a trust over time watching the players that we bring, that we that we develop at youth level. I think there has been a almost left turn from from Guardiola. I, I was blindsided by Jacob Wright and Mamadou Sissoko playing games this season. I you know I, I think they're both good players, but I'd, I'd never have picked them them out personally. And Oscar Bobby's he's basically a first team player now, isn't he? Mm. Rico Lewis, I, I picked out a couple of years ago as a as a as a potential, but it still shocked me when he started to to play him and so regularly and with such trust. Um, with the like with Jacob and Mamadou, it, it might be that that needs you know needs must. In certain in those situations, with, with you know, with the, the Calvin Phillips situation at the time, um, but in previous years, I got the feeling that he'd have rather have played Ilkay Gundogan with his ankle hanging off before he'd have give these players a chance. So I think that's quite promising, and it's you know it's going well in terms of that, that sort of integration. He's only here for a couple more years, isn't he? You know, as it stands, Pep. So. How important that is going forward, I don't know, but it's definitely promising for the for the players that we've got around now. Yeah, I mean the, the other name to chuck out there as well is uh, Michael Hamilton, who uh, I mean he like uh, probably won't play for the rest of the season, but had that that real impact when he did play earlier, you know, before Christmas. Yeah, another another player that I've always liked uh, quite. Um, I suppose it was a bit of a shock as well when he, when Michael played. He's he showed the he's shown what I think is Pep's favourite attribute for a player which is versatility it's the same with Oscar Bob I've known Micah and Oscar for the last few years as central midfield players they moved in from the wings quite young Uh, Oscar was playing a lot up front you know these are players that can play everywhere quite well their technical attributes and what have you all mould together quite well to basically a player for anywhere which is you remember when Phil Foden came through and he played him at left back that time you know I think he wants to see a bit of that from players on top of character and technical ability and all the rest of it. But um, yeah, so Micah, as, as as shocked as I was to see him there, he's fully deserving of it. Um, and I hope there can be a few more as well. Yeah. Um, we mentioned the uh, Reserve League, um, the FA Youth Cup as well. How's that going? Yes. Yeah, so if, if, we, if we look at the immediate future and we, and we 
we kind of we kind of say that we we believe that City also believe that they need to stay in that um, Premier League too, as, as drab as it is, as a as a talking point. Um, I think it is very important. The other thing in our immediate future as 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 a club is the the FA Youth Cup quarter final. I think it's against Tottenham in March. Um, FA the Youth Cup is always great fun. It's as somebody who is burdened by <laughs> watching every as as much youth football as uh, I possibly can. The Youth Cup is just is quite a, a bit of a, a you know a bit of a break. Um, it's a mix of the the under eighteen side. Who incidentally I meant to mention are doing very well. Um, absolutely fine at the moment. The under 18s youth side. So uh, top of the league, I think, at last check-in. Um, I'm on track to continue to win the league like the Premier League 2 side had been doing up until very recently, until yeah. this year. Um, yeah, so it's a mix of those two sides. It's cup football, and it is actually quite enjoyable. So if you get the chance, uh, I'd say give that one a watch when it comes around. I think it's at home as well. Yeah. Um, I th- uh, talking about the immediate future, I think first-team opportunities are done for this season don't you yeah I was going to say this because um, you look at at the fixture list that City have got I mean March and April is ridiculously difficult anyway with the 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 teams that City face in the Premier League Mm. chuck in a few Champions League games and uh, you know the FA Cup by the time you get to this stage of the competition you know, you, you're probably not drawing too many uh, lower league sides, and he's also like he's all about the players needing rhythm and the first teamers needing the mm. rhythm for for uh, for each game. Um, so I, I I do think we're at the stage now where you're probably not going to see, not going to get any surprise inclusions. And I mean, yeah. you, you you're talking like in terms of of youth players, maybe Rico Lewis, maybe Oscar Bob, and that's like we were saying earlier, they're not really youth players anymore. Yeah, they're more or less first teamers. Well, they are first teamers. That's you know, that's, sorry, I don't want to undersell them. Um, the, the, the Copenhagen and Luton games that are coming up, it's going to be full strength, isn't it? It's going to be it's going to be the same side that plays more or less in the in the league the day before, the week before. So, um, yeah, so I think the first team opportunities are done. You know, we've seen the last of of Michael Hamilton as as gutted as I am, um, and probably for any sort of future prospects as well. I'd say that's about it. Um, so it's just, it, in terms of someone like like myself who wants to look out for the next star for the first team, I'm going to have to have a bit of a re-evaluation there. Um, but there's, a, there's work to do for the academy, I'd say, going forward. You see stats pop up all the time about clubs and players and you want to know that exact thing about City. There's an answer. Statcity.co.uk Want to find out all of the players who played alongside club legends like David Silva, Sergio Aguero or Vincent Company? Or maybe you'd like to know which team found it hardest to score past Joe Hart. You can find out City's record in every competition, at every stadium and under every manager. Just go to statcity.co.uk and browse away. That's statcity.co.uk You're listening to the Blue Moon Podcast. You've made it this far, so don't give up now. That was Sean Blinkhorn. Uh, time to look ahead now to the games with Bournemouth and Luton. Um, Macker, after the week we've just had with uh, with the difficult uh, performances and difficult games, uh, we're definitely in the mode of get the results, doesn't really matter how at the moment. Um, 
so what can City do? We've got, to, we've got two games here now that uh, are likely to be, a, you know, they're, they're a tougher way grounds to go to, but they're games that you would expect City to win. So how do they go to these games and try and control it better, do you think? I think Kovacic, who I have actually, I, I have actually on the whole been, been quite, quite impressed with him, to be honest. Um, I get him in. Um, Nunes, I just, I, I don't, I've just not sussed him out, Nunes. I'm still not sure what he is. I mean, like Jack was talking earlier about in terms of a, in terms of being a box to box. I just don't. I didn't see him nothing in at Wolves. I've got to be honest. So I'm still not sure with with him. Um, he, he probably will bring Rico Lewis in at, so, uh, to for a game because he's not played for a while, has he? No. Um, and I was thinking earlier. I, I've actually been surprised by some City fans' comments about Lewis in terms of just not rating him. And I I rate him highly. I think he looks. I think he looks like a player. Um, I don't know what you two think in terms of what, and also what people you spoke to about him. I'd have him. I'd have him straight in there for at least one of these two games. You know. Yeah. No, I I, I agree. I, I do agree. And like I said, I was actually quite shocked when some people on Twitter what they were saying about him and the lads who are not numpses who go to the game and everything and just don't rate him at all. I'd have had him. I'd have had him playing at right back for most of the season. <laughs> well, yeah. that that's a story. I know. Yeah. <laughs> he's a, 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 like it, it, his understanding of the game is higher than his ability, so that's probably what you know. If you sat watching it, watching a game, you'll understand. Like, it's easier to to be drawn to his ability and what he does on the ball rather than sort of how he uh, interacts with players around him and how much he helps them and things like that. Which it's kind is, of awareness, yeah. Yeah, and he's you know you won't see many mature teenagers in a in any team up and up and down the divisions really. But it's I think he I think he still does have a little bit of work to do on the technical side of it, like his first touch and just his speed of thought with the pass, um, and then defensively, you know if he is going to play right back, he's he's going to need to sort of beef up a little bit as well. So there is a there is a way to go, um, but these are the these are the games that. I remember last year when, obviously, when they went and did what they did, he took he took gambles with team selection at at various points, which he'd not done in previous years. Mm. Like you remember, like previous years when they've been going for like, well, they've still been in three or four competitions. He's playing the best team every week, or the best team on paper every week, and then by like it's the FA Cup semi final every well, time yeah, he gets the, the FA Cup semi final, yeah. it, it falls apart. Yeah, yeah, and it's like. <laughs> Last year he took more gambles, and obviously we've talked about it before, haven't we, David? That the the way the fixtures fell and the, and the draws and things like that were were very helpful last year. But I just felt like he was willing to try things which helped them in the in the long term last year that he hadn't done before. So it'd be interesting to see what he does over the next sort of five days. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's uh, I did have another point there. Which was as profound as all the others, but I can't remember what it was. <laughs> I can I can edit around it if you yeah. if you want me to make you sound uh, like you like you meant to end there. Um, yeah, okay, yeah. Um, uh, the other player, I mean, we mentioned him briefly uh, earlier on. Maka uh, De Bruyne didn't feature against Brentford. Guardiola said niggles in the hamstring. Um, how likely is he to be involved? Do you think, given or, or certainly how how involved does City need him to be at the moment against kind of how how involved he might not be able to be? Well, we need him in every game, but. That's not going to, well, that's not going to, we just got to be really careful with it. I mean, I, I don't, it, God forbid anything goes wrong again. I mean, that could be, it doesn't even, 
it's not worth thinking about. So we've just got to be careful. I mean, and I just, now he's come back again and when he's been playing, I actually genuinely forget how good he is mm. when he's not, when he's not, when he's not been playing. I mean, he's just, he's just ridiculous. Again, we'll talk about Rodri, but he's just, he's just got to be, I, I, I'd say, I know this, like, everyone's going to say different people, but he, he's got to be the best midfielder kind of. Of his ilk, who's ever played Premier League football, surely. Yeah, yeah. Jack, um, what was Guardiola was quite um, uh, like just quite matter of fact about it on on Tuesday night. Is there it, it, not as matter of fact as you were when Macca's just said Kevin De Bruyne is the greatest midfielder of all time? And he's gone <laughs> yeah and moved on. Well, yeah. I mean, what what am I going to say? Yeah, like, actually, no, I don't think so. I think it should be. I don't know. It's like that. There's. It was like that. Um, that gif of Jeremy Clarkson. When he's on top gear and goes, well, anyway, so. yeah, I've got. I, 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 we we have limited amount of time on the podcast, and I thought you might want to do something else with your evening. But if you want to, if we want to sit here and uh, and talk about how good De Bruyne is, we can do. I mean, we we do it a lot. We can carry on some more. Do you want to? Do you want to? Do you want to add something to it? Great hair, <laughs> great hair, or great hair color, mate. Uh, well, both, you know me. Although mine's chestnut brown, as we know. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's, I mean, I, I, you've thrown me that completely. I, I love gonna, knocking I, you off your stride. Yeah, it's the only reason I come on. <laughs> I know you do. Um, and I said, I'm not going to be able to do anything with this in the edit either. That's the, that's the frustrating thing. Good. Um, <laughs> Guardiola, after the game, was was quite, yeah, he's, you know, he, we, we just couldn't, we couldn't have brought him on sort of thing. Um, is there anything to be worried about there? Um. I suppose yes, in the sense that he's not fit enough to come on and uh, him being on the bench was purely ceremonial. Um, But then you have to take him at face value when he says that it's not a massive thing to worry about and it's just a a niggle. And I mean, he's getting on and he's 32, um, which is a good age. Uh, I was, was going to say younger than all of us here, but I think you're 32, oh, yeah. aren't you? Yeah. No, very much 32. Thank you. 32 <laughs> till Saturday, um, and then, but they, they have to like, yeah, they have to they have to take care of him because every, you know, every injury is exacerbated by age, I suppose. Um, so yeah, not a shock that he didn't want to sort of risk him. Um, and you should really a team or a squad of City's quality shouldn't be having to risk Kevin De Bruyne to beat Brentford at home. Mm. Um, but yeah, you look at the two games this week and wouldn't be wouldn't you know if it was me in in the hot seat and he's sort of not fifty fifty but maybe not completely fully fit then you think you have him on the you have him on the bench to start both and then if it if a problem is arising then then you call for him and. He goes and wins you the game like he did at Newcastle. Yeah. Well, like I say, yeah. I mean, he, he, he's already shown. Even if it's twenty minutes, he can he can win, like you say he can he can win you the game. Because he did he did. I might be might be wrong. Did he even warm up? No, I don't think he even. No, the bench. no, he didn't. No, no, no. no, he didn't. And that was the only thing about the fans I would criticise. Obviously, they were calling for him, and even I noticed that he hadn't warmed up. So I thought there might have been a bit of a problem. And I'd been in the pub since half four. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, yeah, I think he's injured, lads. Don't <laughs> leave it alone. But yeah. Um, but yeah, like, like Jack, I echoed what Jack said. You just got to be so so careful with him. Yeah, the uh, the defense, Jack. Um, we didn't really talk about it in the in the first part of the show. Uh, somehow got themselves a clean sheet on Tuesday night. Um, I, I feel like this season ultimately the problems have been ahead of them and they've just been exposed 
kind of to these counterattacks more than any other season. And so it's really hard to kind of judge each defender and who's playing mm. at the best and that sort of mm. thing. Um, and I, I'm kind of wondering how that affects Guardiola's thinking this week because he, he's, he's had two kind of modes of attack this season. And that's been one of Stones and Akanji stepping into midfield for to create the overload, or it's been Walker going up the flank and Foden coming inside. Yeah. And when you play in um, Bournemouth at home, Bournemouth would be a bit more adventurous than they have been in previous years. Um, I don't know, don't really know kind of what to expect from Luton. I'm just wondering if he's going to need to do that in either of the games, you know, the, the defender into midfield thing. Uh, yeah, it's a very good question. I don't know. Um, Bournemouth. If Bournemouth are going to... Well, Luton come out as well, though, don't they? Luton yeah. Give it, I don't want to sound patronising, but Luton gen, generally give it a good go, don't they? But whoever they, whoever they play, particularly at home. I mean, look at the United game last week. Um, yeah, I don't... I don't, uh, I don't know. I've been surprised that they've not played the Walker as a winger more often because it looked... In the summer, when we when we were away with them in Asia, it looked like that was going to be the new thing that they were going to do this year. Was going to be Walker like really really high up the pitch, um, and that it has they have used it at times, but not as often as I thought they would. Um, yeah, I don't. I, 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 I wonder whether against like sort of so called lesser teams that actually having more players in the middle of the pitch is better because your players are more technical, so they can pass around them. So maybe the maybe the stones or a kanji into midfield is the way to go with them. Um, whereas your walker is maybe for for teams that are going to have a little bit more of a go, even though you can count those on two fingers. <laughs> yeah. Um, when it comes to um, kind of Bournemouth as well, Macca, like Bournemouth have never ever ever beaten City, so that's kind of like the the City kind of fan thing of oh well, the, this this one will be the one, as if like that means anything. Um, they haven't actually won. A, they've not won in the league since Boxing Day, um, and that surprised me because I like, I felt like they've been having a good season this season. Yeah, me too. That that surprises me as well. Um, but yeah, but going back to what Jack was again, just what Jack was saying there. I, I mean, in terms of in terms of the, the the nuances of the tactics, I won't even pretend anymore that I think well, I know I know what's what's best. <laughs> Whether it's uh, Stones and the Kanji dropping into midfield or, or too what, confusing. I, it, I just tell four four two. It was much easier back. Then. <laughs> <laughs> get it wide. Get it in the box. Win the header. Exactly. Do something else. Yeah. After that, I stopped thinking about football. But yeah. yeah but uh, and to be fair, Walker as far up the pitch as possible is probably a good idea nowadays. <laughs> yeah, but then he's then he's got to cross it though. Talking <laughs> about the individual defending, I mean, look at Sterling's goal on Saturday, and then Onyeka's, like I mentioned before, the Onyeka chance. On Tuesday night at nil nil is exactly the same as the Sterling goal, and you know they're coming from the same sort of situation with the same defender, and yeah, I don't, I don't think individually they've. I completely agree with your point, David, about what's been going on in front of them, but I don't think individually they've, they've defended as well as they had done last year when Guardiola was saying, "I feel like I've got people that want to defend and love defending." Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, quick question to to finish this bit, Jack. Uh, Luton away was tough last time. Obviously, we Bournemouth are Bournemouth, and we don't really know what to expect at the moment. Uh, FA Cup night game as well at Kenilworth Road that could make it even trickier. Uh, we're at the stage of the season as well where Guardiola's talking about rhythm for first teamers. So, like, it's like, are, are we going to get into that that point now where we're starting to get a bit fr- where fans are starting to get a bit frustrated that the team sheet keeps coming out and like, it's not quite what they want? Guy, you brought me back to the point I was going to mention before. 
Excellent. Very nice. It's almost as if he knew. A can- <laughs> so a kanji, so that's you know, that's why Kanji's playing at the moment, isn't it? To get the rhythm, but he's not getting a he's not getting him into a rhythm for now. It's for it is for April. He's like even though he says that he never thinks ahead, he's obviously thinking ahead till to for another, in a six weeks time when things the massive games are piling up and um and they need to win every single one and he wants everyone at exactly the right level before they um before those start. So that's that seems to be the reason why Kanji's been playing in that kind of mid, midfield role that I don't think any of us are particularly enamoured with him in. Um, and then, you know, you will then see Stones play a bit more and he'll get into it as well. And the, the, then the hope would be that they're all sort of kind of peaking at similar times. And then yeah. you can just go and pick your best team. Yeah, for the running. Um, and mm. uh, just because of the way you said that now, I can't edit out what you said before. So uh, you're going to have to forget oh, earlier in the no. show so that you can remember <laughs> now. So there you go. <laughs> um, this, this is this is an episode of 4D chess, this one. Um, <laughs> last week's show had another win on the charity bet, and it was one of mine. I'd correctly guessed that the score against Brentford was going to be 1-0, and that means we've now raised £885 for the Man City Fans Food Bank Support Group. William Hill is given us three £10 correct score singles on City's games, and we've two more matches to go. Starting with Bournemouth away. Jack, what are you having? Uh, 2-1 City. 2-1 City is 8-1 and £80. Macca? Uh, 3-1 City. That's 10-1 and £100. Uh, I wanted one of those two and couldn't have it, so I've gone for 3-2 City and uh, 20-1 and £200 if I'm right. And that takes us to Kenilworth Road, where I've gone for another 1-0 City win, which is uh, 8-1 and £80. Jack? Uh, 2-1 again. 2-1 again is another 8-1 and £80. And Macca? I have gone wild. 5-1 City. It would uh, it would equal our biggest ever win if it comes in at 33-1 to 1 and £330. Uh, remember, you've got to be 18 or over to gamble. Prices can change. And for more information about responsible gambling, have a look at begambleaware.org. Now, next month, a book by the former City chairman, David Bernstein, comes out going behind the scenes of his time at the top of the club during the late 90s and early noughties. We'll have a full interview with him in the coming weeks, looking at all the goings-on at the club at that time. But ahead of that, I wanted to play a short clip of it this week. I asked him here for his thoughts on the current state of club finances in football, the financial rules that govern the game and how all of that relates to the charges that City are facing. On finances in football and in the wider sense first, we just touched on that, I've been involved, I put together a group of pretty high-powered people, we call ourselves a manifesto group, to advocate for change in many areas of football because although the top end of football is very healthy, the, the rest of the pyramid is not in good shape. And there were all sorts of issues about distribution of funding and so on and so forth. Um, and the key recommendation out of all this is an independent regulator, which looks like it's going to happen. I believe I believe there may be a bill coming out before Parliament in the very near future, which will propose an independent regulator and quite a lot of other stuff. Um, within there, there's a, quite a lot of the financial side that I'm, I'm not very happy about, inc- including... Um, what we're called the financial fair play rules, which personally I think are detrimental in many ways to the game. That's not to, that's not to say I don't believe clubs should not behave responsibly. Of course they should in financial terms. But I think the way they're being asked to control their spending and so on is actually um, anti-competitive. I think what it's what it's doing is making it difficult for newish new club or comes with new money now to challenge the establishment so i think in the context of 
the problems that City are facing with these charges, I do have a bit of an issue with the regulations that they're accused of breaching. Having said that, um, you know, what will happen will happen. I have no idea um, how this is going to pan out. I don't, I don't even know what the charges are in, in any detail. Um, I can only say that if City's amazing success and the quality of the way it's been done, um, both with a great manager and a wonderful team, if that is tarnished by by this, it would be a bit of a sporting tragedy. It really would. But you know, due process has to take place, and we'll we'll see what what happens. I obviously sincerely hope that um, City are found not to have, not to have broken those rules, but we'll see. This is the Blue Moon Podcast. But don't worry, it'll be over soon. David Bernstein there. There'll be more of that interview on the podcast soon. And his book, We Were Really There, is out in March with the proceeds going to the charity Level Playing Field, which helps disabled football fans. Uh, we're going to finish with some listener questions. Get in touch for next week at Blue Moon Podcast. You can email through the website, bluemoonpodcast.com, fill in the form there. Uh, we're going to start with Darren on Twitter, who says, Everton and Brentford both spent long spells breaking the game up with time wasting on goal kicks, going down and staying down, that sort of thing. Then both were rewarded with lots of added time to try and get back into the game how do you stop teams time wasting um maka this causes all sorts of frustration in the fan in the in the stands um how are you with it um yeah i think something needs doing i think up to now it's proved that it's very very difficult and it's just a finger in the air job and it added time and it, it, no matter how what they're saying they're making it a bit more technical and more methodical what i saw and i know it's radical and this was a, I can't I, I, I can't remember exactly but well, basically, it was, a, a, it was about stopping the clock. But but it, then it was also reducing it from 90 minutes to, I think it was an hour. Yeah. Because when you actually look at how long the ball is actually in play, that's not that unreasonable. And if you are going to do anything and actually make it foolproof, then that's the way to do it. Yeah. Jack, would you uh, would you go as far as uh, as kind of radical changes like that? Or I mean, there's there's also the suggestion I've seen that, uh, for instance, the Brentford one, because they were the ones time wasting, you just don't add the time wasting on afterwards. But then you've got to yeah, kind of look at how much that, that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. It doesn't it doesn't bother me too much because it's always happened. Um, I can understand why people get frustrated. I did um, when they played Newcastle last year or the year before. There was a lot of talk. It must, uh, I think it was last year, actually. There was um, there was quite a lot of talk beforehand about how the ball is in play or the ball was in play for fewer minutes in Newcastle games than anyone else in the division. So I like took a stopwatch to see and and sort of timed how long they were ta- they were time wasting for, particularly over goal kicks. And it actually isn't. It, it wasn't that sort of high the number mm. I don't know whether they'd sort of that was a day where where they didn't do much time wasting but that would be a surprise because they were at City um, but it, I can't remember what number it was but it wasn't as bad as, as I was expecting um, and just yeah I don't know I don't know what they I don't really know what the answer is but the, there's too many changes at the moment anyway yeah I agree like the game is just changing beyond belief um, like like the Blue cards or whatever the fuck they were. What are they? Like, <laughs> yeah. were they blue? They were blue, weren't they? I they should were blue, know. Blue. Yeah. Like, just they're just finding new reasons to have 
contentious decisions. You not think like if someone, one person gets a, a blue card for a cynical tackle one week and then his team concede while he's off and then the next week uh, a big club gets a decision going in their favour and he doesn't get a blue card and then you're just going to have more uproar about it's just like the same as VAR and things like that. Yeah, I mean, um, my point with that is you, the rest the rest can't cope at the moment with what they've got to do. So why add an extra layer yeah, of something? Yeah, I agree with you. That yeah, they yeah. have to, they have to do. It's just, it's a nonsense. I, I, you know what? I don't know what it because it's gone quiet on that, hasn't it? And there was such an uproar about it. Is it going to come in? Yeah, I mean, occasion, uh, very occasionally, what what they do is sort of drip feed little bits and bobs, <laughs> and then see what the uh, reaction is like, and then there can be a little bit of a rollback. Well, hopefully that happens with this because it's, I don't know, just like just, just get the get, get the things right at the moment. I mean, my I know we're going off on a bit of a tangent here, but I mean, <laughs> in terms of like VAR, it, it's just as it it doesn't matter if you've got VAR, you've got the same people looking at these decisions who aren't good enough to prove yeah. themselves not to be good enough. It doesn't mind if it slowed it down. In fact, it makes it worse that you slowed it down. It's just it's just completely knackered. And like people are genuinely, genuinely kind of falling out of love with the game and, and, I, and I don't blame them because hmm. it is it is hard work. The sim bit, the, also the Simbin thing is the byproduct of that is that you hear the worst sentence in professional sport, <laughs> which is when people say, it works for rugby. <laughs> uh, um, well let's finish by lifting the mood up a little bit uh, Alex on the email says please could you dedicate some time on this week's podcast to Joe Hart I'm sad to see the number of people who have rewritten history because his style of goalkeeping didn't fit with Guardiola it seems certainly from the outside that people think he was overrated and they forget just how important he was to the pre-Guardiola success now Maka I am very aware that we're probably preaching to the converted mm-hmm. here um, but uh, it it, it, he he was an important part of City. Oh, he was great. Yeah, he was he was he was fantastic. He was I absolutely loved him. I mean, yeah, all right, he didn't fit in with what Gladio wanted to do, but for a period he was immense. I mean, he's, <laughs> he just had those games, didn't he? Where his best games were the ones where we were absolutely under siege. Um was it the Dortmund game? Yeah, Dortmund at home, Barcelona Dortmund away. Home. Yeah, Spurs well, away on the opening Spurs day. Spurs away when when he dropped he dropped uh, given, aren't he? Yeah. And it was a bit a big decision, and he was just absolutely ridiculous. Um, no, another one springs to mind was it Lukaku against Everton, which could have he, he lay on, and I think he that could have won us the league basically. Mm. And uh, no, he was great. No, I loved I loved Joe Hart. He was he was fantastic. Yeah, Jack from uh, a neutrals point of view, um, he he gets a lot of flack for what happened with England, especially at Euro Euro twenty sixteen. Yeah. Um, how how's he? How do you kind of feel he's perceived from outside of City? Well, you had it bang on with the rewriting of history. It's like the, the second half of his career has just been so disappointing. Mm. Um, and he is, you know, he's not that old, is he really? Particularly for a goalkeeper. Um, like his career, f- yeah, it's an interesting one because his career fell away far too quickly. Mm. Um, I don't know whether that was bad luck or what, but from a, I mean, he was the undisputed England number one for a, a long time. People were talking about him being the best goalkeeper in Europe um, for a little for a little while, not too long because obviously there's Neuer, but like he was in that sort of conversation. Um, and then, you know, 
Torino wasn't great, was it? And then West Ham wasn't Burnley. great. Yeah. Burnley was better, but still, a, I don't really know what happened at Burnley. I was watching, I, I, I covered Burnley a little bit that year and he, he was playing quite well individually, but they were losing every week. And then Dyke dropped him for Tom Heaton over the Christmas. And then the defence looked like they trusted Heaton more than did Hart, which I thought was was damning, even though that his, his own individual performance was quite good. Um, and then they went on to stay up that year with Heaton in goal. And then Spurs, like Nuno Santo, just got in and said, I'm not having you. You can go and find another club. And it's like, you've named... We've named four clubs there where it's not worked out, and there must be a reason for that. Um, and it's good that he's been able to play at Celtic for a couple of years and sort of get the enjoyment back for it. I'm assuming, um, but yeah, it's a bit. It's a shame how how things how things turned out for him, really. Yeah. Have you got any particular favourite saves, Maka? Hmm. That's a tough one. One of my my, my all time favourite is from that that Spurs game when uh, Asuakosu hit one. Yeah, top top left, left corner. corner. Yeah, yeah defle- deflected yeah. off right Phillips. Yes, yeah. But like I said, I've, and again, I've, you've sprung this one on me, and I've just got this. These one at these one at Goodison. A year we won the league, and I'm pretty sure it was off Lukaku, mm. and it was going bottom corner, and he made a great a great save. I've just remembered but, Swansea as well. Um, header. Ooh. Uh, header from a corner, and he got got across to it, top top left corner again. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's, he he was kind of a bit of a throwback. When he was a, he was just he was a goalkeeper. <laughs> he, he he was a goalkeeper. He, he and he and he his job he did his job most of the time. But like Jack said, he did have a bit of a he has had a bit of an odd career. Whether or not he was just a bit of a so much of a shock at City because he just didn't envisage what was going to happen, and then it's just he took a. A massive knock to his, his confidence, but mm. um, yeah. So I think he's, he's thirty-seven. I think he's thirty-seven. So he's, he's not had a bad. He's not had a bad. Oh, is he that old? Yeah, I didn't have. Yeah. I didn't have him at that old at all. Yeah, no, I I, I was the same because I had a look earlier when he, when he when he announced it, and I think he is. I think he's thirty-seven. So. so oh, fair play. I thought I thought he's five years younger to be honest. Which <laughs> maybe maybe that you know he's first that. For that first half of his career that I was talking about it was significantly longer and maybe it goes back to your point, David. Right, that, 36. Hmm. 36. 36. Great, great age, 36. 36. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> young, maybe, young for a goalkeeper, that, innit, Jack? <laughs> yeah, well, all right. Bloody hell. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't like it when it's the other way around, do I? Um, <laughs> but yeah, if he's, you know, given he's 36, maybe... You're right, David, in that there is a rewrite in history, and people need to look at the first half of his career a bit more because he's he, you know, he's thrown in quite young, wasn't he, at City, and did uh, did superbly well. Yeah, did the business. Uh, right, so that's the end of this week's Blue Moon podcast. Thank you very much for listening, and thanks to my guests for this one, Jack Gorn. Thank you, mate, and Macca. Cheers, Paul. There's a clip of the latest Patreon show coming up in a few seconds' time. I'll be back next week. See you then. That was the Blue Moon Podcast. Please give the show a rating and a review where you can. And don't forget, you can listen without the ads by signing up to our Patreon. You'll also get an extra episode each Monday. Here's a clip of this week's. The elation of um, of hearing the sort of the crowd shouting for the penalty, referee giving it, and then, yeah, Balotelli was lucky to be on the pitch, but they just there was just... 
even now, there's just no one that you'd want more on a penalty, really, is there? We had Jermaine Defoe, who was great, who had a similar... He had a kind of Gascoigne at Euro 96 moment in this game as well, which is one of the, the irritating things. Just right on the far post, he uh, he didn't manage to quite get one in just before oh, God. he went down the other end and got the penalty. That wasn't on the highlights, but I've remembered it now because I remember... Th- yeah, it, was, it must have been like 91st minute or so, really late on. Yeah, yeah, whisker away, like whisker away at the back post of getting the winner there. Alex, when when you think back to to that season, uh, obviously you said before City had never won the Premier League at this point. Was this one of the games that told you that they were right in the mix? There were a few times in that season before the famous comeback on the final day. They were sort of showing this newfound ability to, you know, dig really deep after sort of things had gone against them and... You know the city. We know like the city of old. Even just a couple of years before that, once they went behind, it was kind of done, really, wasn't it? You can listen to more of that at patreon.com forward slash Blue Moon Podcast, and join us again next time for another episode. <laughs>